Hey, hey guys, welcome back to the Black Health Academy podcast. I'm Lisa A. Smith, founder of the Black Health Academy, and this is another solo episode, the seventh for the year here in 2020, which has been an exceptionally interesting year. And this is Obedience, episode seven, entitled Alignment. So if you've been following the podcast for a while, then you know um, I do typically this podcast with my co-host, Jay. And we do approximately one episode every two weeks. However, I also do a solo episode once per month. And the solo episodes are a collection of episodes centered around personal development, self-enhancement. And it's essentially a podcast inside of a podcast. And so this podcast is called Obedience. And so this is Obedience Episode 7, Alignment. Now, today I want to talk a little bit about with regard to being obedient, but I want to talk a little bit about the relationship between being in alignment and addiction. So most of you guys, if you know me personally, or if you've been following the Black Health Academy or the podcast for any amount of time, you know, we typically focus on health and that's health around, you know, your physical health. We definitely touch on mental health, emotional health, um, the psychosocial aspects of, you know, trying to get healthy as a person of color. However, with these obedience episodes, my sole mission is to talk about just that, what it means to be obedient, right? What it means to walk in purpose and on purpose. And um, every month, you know, for this entire year, I'll be bringing you a solo episode that's, that addresses that. And these episodes are oftentimes inspired by various occurrences throughout my life. I do a lot. I teach, I speak, um, I coach, I have a very full, thriving career in life. I run a couple of companies and so I manage people. Um, I um, My whole day is just filled with pretty much problem solving and creating, right? I'm constantly creating content. I'm constantly coming up with ideas for content. I'm constantly reworking um, my services, my courses, our offerings um, at the different companies that I run. And so I'm constantly in a create, have to be in a creative space in a space where um, I can quickly navigate different things that come up, right? That comes with running a business and um, in the health world. And it's extremely exciting. And I realize that I am extremely privileged to have not only found my purpose at my young age, but to be living it out, right? Um, Some of us have found our purpose or we kind of know what we're supposed to be doing and we're not there or we're not there yet. Maybe we're working toward it or maybe we actually don't have a plan on how to get there and you know, but you do know where you want to be. There's various reasons for not being obedient, right? Um, And if this is your first obedient episode, I encourage you to look through past episodes um, and it'll say obedience right in the beginning. So they're easy to find and listen to because I described a couple episodes back how to identify the difference, for example, between your your gifts, your talents and your purpose. Right. And how all of those intersect to devise, you know, essentially why you're meant to be here. Right. What your sole purpose is on this planet. Um, And I think being obedient to your calling is very, very important. So I want to talk a little bit about 
obedience today, specifically being in alignment, specifically being in alignment and how that lines up with addiction. So I have a signature course that I teach called Farm to Table. And in this course, you know, it's a six week intensive uh, Farm to Table Live is a six week intensive. And in the course, you know, our sole mission is to help individuals make the transition to a whole food plant based lifestyle. And one of the things we address in class one is addiction specifically to SOS, salt, oil and sugar. Now, what's interesting about addictions to food is that, number one, they're very, very easy to mask because eating is, is acceptable, right? Like when you see someone eating, you don't necessarily think addiction. You don't necessarily know what their particular relationship is with that food, right? And so food addictions is really one of the easiest things to mask. It's one of the safest ways to have an addiction publicly, right, uh, out in plain sight. And then there's other addictions that not so much, right, that we typically have to keep closeted because it's not socially acceptable to have an addiction to sex. It's not socially acceptable to have an addiction to uh, pornography or to alcohol, right, Um, or to opiates, right? And so there's different addictions that are not as well accepted, but food addiction is not one of those. Um, But I don't want to address just food addictions. I'm just going to be talking about addictions across the board, whatever that addiction is um, and how it may be, it may be stemming from you potentially being out of alignment, you know, in my firm to table course, when I am teaching, uh, most people expect that they're going to show up to class. They're going to show up to this course and it's just going to be all about nutrition, right? We're going to go over nutrition science and I'm going to tell them, you know, what recipes are best and give them kitchen and cooking tips. And then, you know, educate them a little bit about how to lose weight and, you know, get their blood pressure down, get their cholesterol down, you know, uh, reduce flare ups and things and from autoimmune disease, prevent heart disease. And so when they get in week two and we don't talk about nutrition at all, and we're focusing on how how the mind works and we're focusing on neuroplasticity, you know, I have a lot of my students say, wow, you know, I, this is way more than I expected. And one of the things I talk about in week two is with regard to food addictions and why they might may exist outside of the fact that the foods are literally chemically created to get you addicted. So here's the thing with food addiction. Not only couldn't it exist for a reason It can exist for a reason other than the fact that it was created to be addictive, right? So what I mean by that is, you know, a lot of the foods that we're addicted to ain't got kale in the ingredients, right? It just doesn't, right? It's not going to be necessarily a high fiber, low fat, you know, green, healthy food. Normally, we're addicted to things that, number one, are heavily processed, right? And they're laden with sugar, salt, oil, right? Trans fats, right? Empty calories, uh, very little vitamins and minerals. And this is all very intentional, right? A lot of these chemists are paid millions of dollars to formulate these foods so that they are addictive because really um, it's a marketing tool, 
right? You have to have your Oreos. You have to have your cookie or a specific candy that you like, or you like this particular type of chocolate, or you have to have this coffee. Um, you have to have, you know, these brand of potato chips. You know, people are defensive about their, like, no, this is the brand I like. This is the kind I like. This is what I like. I don't deviate from this. And, and that is all very intentional. Um, but so outside of the physiological response, the chemical response that happens in your brain when you get those hit of endorphins from consuming, right, those addictive products outside of those things, addiction could also be present in your life for reasons that have nothing to do with, with what's happening in the kitchen and in the chemistry lab and everything to do with you being out of alignment with your calling in life. And so that's what I want to address. That's what I want to talk about because it often is an aha moment for a lot of my students and clients in that I thought it was just a matter of, Lisa, you teaching us, you know, what's the say, what's the better sugar to eat? Right. I just need to know what's the better sugar to eat. Um, and so so I won't be eating the bad stuff and my waistline won't keep expanding. Right. At least I just need you to tell me, you know, what's the how I can safely consume my salty snacks that I love. Right. My, my potato chips and, and my nuts or my popcorn or whatever it is. Right. My hankering for this or that. Right. And so they think I'm going to have that solutions. And then I come in completely out of left field and say, or it could be because you're not walking in your purpose. And it's like, wait, what? So let's get into it. So I want to talk a little bit about addiction and alignment. Um, obedience, you know, for the sake of this podcast inside the podcast is I'm referring to you doing and having number one, discovered and identified what your gifts are versus your talents and how your gifts and talents intersect to align you with your purpose. Okay, and when you've done the work to identify your gifts, your talents and how they align um, to identify your purpose, it is then your responsibility. This is not optional. It is then your responsibility to lead from the front and pursue your purpose and walk in it. You know, everyone is here for a reason. Everyone has something to offer the world. Everyone has something that the world needs that no one else can provide to the world but you, right? In the way in which you do it. And if you are not obedient to that calling, then you are out of alignment. And I can guarantee you that you're going to feel it in your life one way or another. The manifestation of not, not being in alignment is a real thing. And oftentimes it manifests in the forms of addiction. So here we go. Um, I'm going to talk about my, my sugar addiction. So I became a plant-based vegan many years ago. And I, like many people who makes the transition to a meatless lifestyle, an animal product-free lifestyle, um, did just that. I eliminated the animal products and thought that I had successfully accomplished becoming a plant-based, right? I thought I had successfully become a vegan because I no longer consumed animal products. And then it wasn't until I continued to study. And it also wasn't until I had enough of my brain fog lifted from eliminating, you know, the mucus, the excess mucus from my body and brain, eliminating the excess animal products and the excess mucus. It wasn't until I'd be able to get, I was able to get a little more clarity 
that I was able to see that, oh, you have issues bigger than just chicken and yogurt and cheese. Okay. Um, you got some other stuff you, that seems to have a hold on you. You know, you thinking that the epitome with, of health automatically comes with the absence of the animal products. And that's when I started noticing that I was leaning heavily on, you know, I would seek out vegan desserts. You know, my thing was sugar. Somebody else thing might be oil. Somebody else thing might be salt. You know, it might be fried foods, whatever your thing is. Right. Um, and I'm talking about all addictions, not food, but just in this example, I'm talking about food. And so when I was able to get enough clarity to develop a heightened level of self-awareness around my dietary habits and practices, um, I noticed, whoa, you still have work to do because, you know, just because this carrot cake says it's vegan doesn't mean that it's healthy. It's just simply vegan. Right. And so. I started deep diving into a little more of the nutrition science and studying and understanding um, all aspects of food and not just animal products. And, and that's when I discovered, look, you have you have an addiction to sugar, Lisa, and you're going to have to do something about it. And so at the top of 2019, at the end of 2018, I made a very decisive statement. I said, I am going to give up sugar January of 2019 now. I joined, you know, millions of people across the world who makes these very, you know, bold, decisive decisions at the top of a year. And you're like, this is going to be my life now. Um, but lo and behold, I stuck to it. OK, so the top of 2019, I decided I was no longer going to consume sugar. I had, first of all, done the work to identify all of the things that was wrong with consuming excess sugar, right? And so everything from being one of the top causes of inflammation in our bodies to causing neuropathy or nerve damage to feeding cancer like crazy um, to creating, you know, this acidic environment in your body. Um, sugar, when then I'm like, what? Sugar is one of the top causes of memory loss and Alzheimer's and um, inability to concentrate. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. So when I learned that sugar was one of the top causes of memory loss, that really resonated because I speak and teach for a living. And I was able to instantly identify times where I would be on the mic and I couldn't recall something as quickly as I needed to, to answer an audience member's question or to deep dive into a topic um, thoroughly enough so that my audience could understand because I just wasn't recalling the science as quickly enough. I knew I knew, I know I knew it and I knew it'll probably come to me in the car driving home. But as far as accessing it, like accessing those reservoirs in my brain quickly enough to, you know, help save somebody's life or, you know, give them the information they need to go live a better life. I couldn't get to it. And so now, you know, this sugar addiction was impacting my ability to perform on the job. And the unfortunate thing about it is that audience, audience members and people didn't know that I was having memory lapses, right? Because I would just, I would know enough. I would know enough. But I knew I knew more. And I'm like, oh, God. And so I began to notice the vast difference between, you know, how I taught, how I speak, how I performed in my business when I hadn't had sugar versus when I had. And so I'm like, OK, so first things first, you know, with regard to my particular addiction. Right. Um, I did the work to learn exactly what this addictive substance for you. It might be an addictive behavior, whatever, or a different type of substance. But I did the work to learn what this addictive substance 
um, did to my body and my brain. So that was my first motivator. Okay. That was my first motivator. But then, you know, as I delve deeper into helping other people overcome this same addiction that I had overcome, I noticed a, a different pattern, right? I noticed something a little different. And as I begin to study and learn more about addiction, the thing that resonated with me the most was this particular line. And that is, let's take sugar, for example. Sugar is not the problem. It's the answer. Now, for somebody else, it might be alcohol. Take an alcoholic, for example. Alcohol is not their problem. It's their answer. What does that mean? The problem is something underlying, right? It's something unresolved. It's something unaddressed. And oftentimes we need these substances or these behaviors, right, to crowd out or to create an alternate reality for us so that we don't have to deal with the problem, right? So these substances and these behaviors, they are simply serving as a space filler, right? It makes us feel good in, um, in the moment temporarily. So we don't have to deal with whatever's really going on. So we don't have to address the emptiness we feel or the unresolved grief or the trauma, right? We don't have to feel the pain. We don't have to feel the emptiness, the loneliness. And so alcohol becomes the answer to that. Sugar becomes the answer to that. You know, being promiscuous becomes the answer to that. Being angry or defensive or emotionally unavailable becomes the answer to that, right? We all have different ways of putting up these walls, creating these defense mechanisms, you know, uh, always finding a problem in a relationship or leaving people before they have the chance to leave you, right? Or not, you know, going for that thing, never put, never taking risks. You're risk adverse, right? Because you've failed before or been denied or let down before and you don't want to feel that feeling again, right? And so we create these defense mechanisms and put these walls up and latch on to these substances and these behaviors, but they aren't the problem. They're the answer. And so when I learned that, a bit of a bell went off and I'm like, hmm, makes sense. And that's how I was able to tap into kind of the psychosocial aspects of addiction. So how does this relate to being obedient and being in alignment? One of the one of my favorite talks that I've ever given um, is entitled "The Three Things or the Things That I Had to Overcome to Become Plant Based." Okay, it's one of my favorite lectures I've ever given that I ever written out. I remember it was for one of our first Saturday classes here at the Black Health Academy. Um, it was last year, twenty nineteen, and I. Sometimes before a first Saturday class, so first Saturday uh, at, at the Black Health Academy, I teach a class called Get Planted and Introduction to a Whole Food Plant-Based Lifestyle. And we've been doing this class two years now and every first Saturday. And so, you know, prior to the pandemic, I was teaching this class in person and now we do it virtually. But I would sometimes literally wake up Saturday morning not knowing what I was going to talk about that day. Okay. Um, but I, this is how confident though. I was so confident in my brain <laughs> to come up with it before 10 a.m. 
that I never panic. Like I never spend like the week before or even the Friday night, the night before sitting down, planning out my talk, blah, blah, blah. I just like let it happen. I let it flow. So I remember this particular Saturday, I woke up at like five in the morning and it was interesting because I was hanging out the night before with friends and and so it was kind of shocking that I got up that early because I was hanging out pretty late. And I woke up this morning like 5 a.m. and I was just charged up. I grabbed a notebook. I grabbed a pen and I was like, I, I was fed up. I was fed up with people thinking that being plant based was easy for me. And, and which it is now, but I was fed up with them thinking that it has always been because, you know, when people hear me talk or come to my classes, you know, or when we see somebody doing something that we're trying to achieve, we often say things like, well, I'm not as good as you are. I'm not there yet. I'm not where you are. Right. And so, um, I wanted people to know that I struggled too. I wanted people to know that, you know, this journey to a plant-based lifestyle was not a straight line for me. Right. I had peaks and valleys like everyone else. And I decided to craft this lecture of, around those journey, those those uh, those valleys. And I decided that I was going to pin a whole lecture entitled "What I Overcame to Become Plant Based." So class started at 10 a.m. Here I am at 5 a.m. I have my notebook and I'm going down the list. Boom, 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 and it's just flowing out of me. My pen couldn't move fast enough. And this turned out to be one of by far my most favorite, favorite lectures I've ever written and performed. And so one of the things that I listed that I had to overcome to become plant-based was an addiction to sugar. Now, what makes this lecture so unique and the reason I love it so much is because what I did was not only did I list the barrier that I had to overcome to be successful, and, you know, the steps I took to overcome it. But then the sweet spot was that I listed the privilege that I had that might have made it easier for me to overcome this barrier than it might be for someone else. Right. And so what makes it easier? So, like, for example, I'll give you I'm going to come back to the addiction thing. But I'm going to give an example. So I think one of the things I listed in this lecture, for example, was like food intimidation, right? A lot of times um, people might shy away from a plant-based or a vegan lifestyle because there's so many foods that are unfamiliar and foreign and it's like overwhelming to try and learn, you know, new foods, what they are, when are they in season, how do I shop for them, how do I cook them, how do I consume them, you know, Lisa, I don't know what to do with quinoa, Lisa, I, I don't know what to do with, you know, Swiss chard or bok choy, I've never had a beet that didn't come out of a can or a jar, there's raw fresh beets, what? Like, so the, the food intimidation is big for a lot of people because, you know, I'm telling you, to unlearn the way you've been doing things for the last 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years of your life and, you know, try all these new things. And so it's, uh, it can be challenging for people. And, um, one of the ways I said in the lecture that I overcame food intimidation was one by trying just one new thing a week. Right. And now that is also an assignment that I give all my students and my farm to table course, like try one new thing a week. Now the privilege that I had and uh, making it easier for me to try new things than it may be for someone else is because 
I have all my life put myself in situations that were new, meaning I've, you know, uprooted my life and moved abroad twice. Okay. I've lived in China. I've lived in Italy. And in those situations, you know, I have had to quickly try new things, right? I've had to assimilate to new culture, language, foods, right? Um, infrastructure, just ways of doing things, grocery shopping, trying to learn different currencies and the conversions and how does it work? Um, you know, I've quit jobs to start companies and, you know, had to, you know, step out on faith and had to try a new way of budgeting, learning systems, what it means to be, you know, a business owner and an entrepreneur. And so I am naturally, I'm naturally, I'm not, I'm not risk averse, like naturally my personality, right? It didn't, I personally can't recall anything in my childhood or, you know, anything that my parents or family has ever taught me about taking risk um, and just putting yourself out there. It's something that I just do, right? And so because it's easy for me to take risk, because it's easy, easy for me to step out on faith and get outside of my comfort zone, because it's easy for me to get outside of my comfort zone naturally, it may going plant-based easier with regard to trying new foods. Does that make sense? And so that was the privilege I had. Some of us are not naturally, um, do not naturally step outside of our comfort zone. A lot of us like routine. We like comfort. We like repetition. We like to know what's coming. We like to know how we don't, we don't want to taste something that don't look good. We don't want to taste it. Like we want to know what it is and want to be comfortable with it. And so when you're approaching a plant-based diet, it's like, I'm not that person that does these. I like to know what I know. I like to, I like to stick to what I know. I like to do what I know. I don't have to go, you know, uproot my life and go move to a, a country where I don't know the language or the cuisine or the people, right? I'm, I'm happy where I am. I'm happy with, 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 with routine and, and repetition. And so, but I'm not that person. And so adopting something like a plant-based diet, that's the privilege I had in doing so is that I'm okay. I'm about to beat, you know, I'm, I'm I'm going to check out the dandelion greens. I'm, uh, let's try these micro sprouts this week. That doesn't make me too uncomfortable. And so that's the privilege I had. And so that's essentially how I set this lecture up, you know, to tell the challenge I had to overcome, tell how I overcame it, but then identify the privilege that I had that may have made it easier for me than somebody else. And so when I got to the addiction piece, I said another challenge that I had to overcome to become plant-based was... I had to get over an addiction to sugar. So here I am vegan and I totally have, um, you know, no animal products in my diet. I think I'm nailing it, but I got to have me some sweets every now and then, right? I might make them myself or I might buy them. If I go to Veg Fest, I'm getting the vegan cupcakes. I'm getting the vegan cookie. I'm trying to carrot cake, right? Um, and so I wasn't, you know, I still had sugar in my diet and so... Again, once I learned all the dust in my body and my brain, I made a decision to give it up. But here's the thing, okay? Let's bring it all home. The privilege that I had that made it easier for me to give up sugar than it may be for someone else is that I'm living out my purpose. I'm in alignment. Because sugar is a narcotic, right? Because sugar is a, is a substance, is a highly addictive substance, and I defined earlier that 
the thing you're addicted to is not the problem. It's typically your answer. I, once I discovered my purpose, which is, you know, speaking, teaching, really teaching is my purpose, right? Speaking is my gift, but teaching is my purpose. And so once I discovered what my purpose was and begin to pursue it, like I'm talking about full on, I'm talking about throwing caution to the wind, all out, throwing all my cards in, nothing else is an option, right? Yep. I got a degree in, uh, in psychology, but working in social sciences is no longer an option for me. You know, um, yes, I have experience with teaching, like, like formally t- teaching in a classroom, but teaching in the classroom is not an option for me, right? That's not the way my gift and my talents are about to be realized. Like I need to be on a mic and I need to be crafting my own curriculums, my own content. It needs to be on my own terms, not in a brick and mortar classroom that is oversaw by a school district. No, that's not, that's not for me. And so once I discovered what my purpose is, once I discovered what my talents and my purpose were, and I fell in love, like doing that thing, I didn't need anything else to fulfill me. Right. So I, once I begin to get an alignment, I no longer needed the substance to fill the gap. Okay. So my privilege in being able to overcome this sugar addiction is that I am blessed enough to live in my purpose. I am blessed enough to be obedient, right? I have, you know, taken the risk. I have crafted the, the perfect scenario and I threw caution to the wind. Yeah, I'm certified as a personal trainer, but that's not it. That's not what I'm meant to do. So I quit that. Right. I'm certified to teach English as a second language, but that's not I'm not I'm not meant to teach English as a second language. Right. I threw caution to the wind and I finally found that thing that brings me the most joy, makes me the most happy. And so I want to propose to you as the listener. If there is something in your life, a behavior, a substance that you have found that you may be addicted to. Right. I want you to consider the fact that you don't necessarily need a strategy um, that is centered around, let me get some new recipes or let me get a way to budget my money better because maybe you're addicted to spending or shopping or impulse buying. Um, Maybe you need to, you know, get counseling for this thing. And maybe you do need all of those things, but those are just tools. You see what I'm saying? Those are just tools. Right. What I want you to consider is that there's literally an area in your life where you're being disobedient. And because you're you may be consciously or unconsciously aware of it. You are leaning on that behavior or that substance. To fill the gap that you're not willing to fill on your own for whatever reason. Fear or thinking you're not enough. Or this thing isn't available to you. You know, I had a client who um, she worked in a practice with other colleagues. And she said she was fine with her sugar when she was during the day. Like during the day in the morning, she did great. In the afternoon, she did great. But when she got home, she had to have some sugar like before bed. She, She got home and... 
things got quiet. The day is winding down and that's when she would indulge. She said, it, it's amazing. Like I didn't have to have it any other time. But when I got home and it was settling down and I'm alone, that's when I needed the sugar. And so we started kind of talking about that. And one of the things we discovered is that when she got home and when she was alone is when she began to think about the fact that she shouldn't be working where she is. She didn't intend to be there this long and that by now she had planned to have her own practice. And it wasn't until she was at home and alone at night where she began to think about the fact that she hadn't done the work to step out on her own, right? And have her own business, have her own practice. And so when she began to think about that, it made her sad. And uh, that's when she indulged, right? And so she realized she was out of alignment, right? And so she was working in the career, but it, was, it wasn't looking and shaping up like she knew it should be. She knew she wasn't thriving and performing at her optimal best like she would if she was in her own practice and doing things 100% on her own terms. And so that brought her a bit of sadness and discomfort. And so what she had, the narrative she had made up in her head is that it's easier to sleep if I put a little sugar on, <laughs> put, put a little sugar on the brain before I go to bed. You know, that's the narrative that she made up um, instead of facing and identifying the true reason for the addiction. Right. And she was out of alignment. And I find this to be true for many people that I speak with, uh, many clients that I speak with. It's really um, that lack of obedience. So I have a couple questions that I want to pose to you guys. I have a couple questions that I want you to think about if you think maybe this could be you. Right. If maybe that thing that you're leaning on could be linked to the fact that um, you are not thriving in every area that you should be. Uh, you know, giving up the sugar was easy for me for the reasons I named. I identified what they were doing to my body and my brain and that I was in alignment. Because here's the thing, I love, I used to love donuts. Like, that was my thing. Like, that was my favorite dessert. It's a donut. And, but when I'm on the mic, when I'm speaking, when I'm teaching, when I got a mic in my hand, it's literally no donut you can give me, but that will make me feel as good as that mic feels, right? And I feel that way, that same way about my friends and colleagues. Like I have a really good friend that loves cookies, right? But she is a phenomenal health coach. She's a phenomenal um, workout instructor. And does she love cookies? Absolutely. But because she's living in her purpose and her career fills her up so much, right, she doesn't have to have cookies all the time. Like it's something that she's in complete control. It was not something she leaned on to emotionally relieve her, right? And I, and I know we talked about this. I've watched it, right? It's something you, you can like something but not be addicted to it, right? You can have these things under control because it's not something you're using um, as a Band-Aid. And so when I watch her, I know there's not a, I couldn't stop her if I try in the middle of her teaching and offer her a cookie. It would mean nothing to her. No, let me get back to this thing that truly fills me up, right? And so that's what I see. That's what I notice with a lot of people when I watch them in their purpose. When I watch them literally living out their purpose, there's nothing you can give them that is going to make them feel good. Uh, my mom, she loves sewing and she started a whole sewing company. Right. And she gets up in her sewing room and she puts her music on and she just zones out and goes to town and she's happy. She's fulfilled. 
right? And she doesn't have to have, you know, a substance or a thing, a, a toxic behavior because she has things and behaviors in her life that fill her up, but moreover, they are also contributing to society. So usually your purpose is always going to be something that betters the world, always, right? Your purpose is always going to be something that improves the planet you walk on. And when we have reached, have, those of us who are blessed that have reached that point in our life um, of what's called contribution, right? Where that means all the other boxes are checked because it's impossible to give if you're not fulfilled, right? Um, and so once all the other boxes are checked, you then reach a point of what's called contribution. And when you reach that point of contribution, um, you've reached that point of self-actualization. Self-actualization is the realization or fulfillment of one's talents and potential, right? Um, it's the realization of one's talents and potential. So once you reach that point of self-actualization, you're contributing to, a, to the world, right? And it's nothing feels better than giving. Nothing, nothing feels better than giving. Because number one, when you give, you automatically receive. You automatically receive. And so when you have a consistent outlet of giving, i.e. living in purpose, it's very difficult to have a dysfunction, dysfunctional behavior or addiction when you live in a state of consistent giving, contribution, and self-actualization. So I have a couple questions that I want you to consider um, as you're kind of thinking through this, thinking what you have made latched onto or what may have latched onto you that you're trying to shake off. The first thing I definitely want you to consider is, you know, am I in, am I obedient in my life? You know, um, my gifts, my talents, are they intersecting? Have I identified my purpose? But moreover, have I done the work or am I doing the work to make sure I'm able to be purposeful every day? Okay. And so one of the ways you can answer that question is with this next question, which is, are you more of a producer or a consumer? Are you more of a producer or a consumer? Right. Because the world needs more producers. There's plenty of people who are going to consume. Right. Consumption is higher than it's ever been. Right. So we will buy things we don't need. We people will consume your time, your energy, your talents. Right. Also called takers. Right. Um, but consumption. Right. We eat more than we really need to to sustain life. Like, which is all about excess, especially in the U.S., right? And so are you, but are you more of a producer? Does the amount of consumption that you do, does it balance, balance out the amount of producing you do, right? When I create a course, when I create a lecture, um, when I create content, that's producing. I'm producing, I'm giving, I'm putting something in the world to be consumed, Right. So are you putting things out in the world to be consumed or are you just constantly consuming? So are you more of a producer or are you more of a consumer? OK, that'll help you discover if you're in alignment. The next question I want you to consider is do you reserve or do you resign what makes you happy for leisure only? Right. So maybe you know what fills you up, but for whatever reason, you've decided 
that this can only be for leisure. This is nothing that could ever be my life. This is nothing that I could ever enjoy on a regular basis, right? Like sewing for my mom, for example. She loves sewing, but she done flipped that thing into a whole business. Now, there's plenty of people, plenty of people in her sewing groups, her sewing clubs that she goes to. She goes to sewing retreats. There's plenty of people who I'm sure are just doing it for leisure. Now, am I saying that everything you enjoy, you need to flip into a business? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But what you do on a daily basis to maintain your lifestyle and stability for yourself and your family is, is that something you also enjoy? Because you can enjoy multiple things, but some things are perfectly fine staying as pastimes, right? But do you reserve everything that you enjoy for leisure only? Is, do you look kind of at life at from a lens that says work is meant to be unenjoyable and then I reserve the things I love for leisure? Because I don't know if you knew this, but your day-to-day, like that 40 hours you put in, that you can derive pleasure from that. You can actually derive pleasure from those 40 hours intentionally on a regular basis, right? And so do you reserve everything you enjoy or do you resign everything that makes you happy for leisure only? Okay, something to think about. Next question, final question. Do you have limiting beliefs? Like it's too late for me or I'm not enough. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough education. Um, I don't have a, a, a support system. Um, I don't have access to resources um, or my, my DNA alone is going to prevent me, right? Like maybe you, you've been told your DNA says that you're going to have high blood pressure, you're going to have high cholesterol, you're going to have heart disease, or you're going to have this autoimmune disease. And because my DNA is this way, this that makes this over here unavailable to me, right? Like, do you have some limiting beliefs and these limiting narratives that you're telling yourself that's preventing you from being in alignment, whereby causing you to retain these addictions, Okay, so those are three questions I, w- I want you to consider. Number one, are you more a producer or a consumer? Number two, do you reserve what makes you happy for leisure only? Number three, do you have limiting beliefs like I'm not enough or it's too late for me? I'm, you know, I'm older now. Right. Um, or I don't have enough money or I don't have enough education or I just don't have access to these things. Right? I don't have a support system. I don't have friends or family. Or I'm a single parent. Like whatever limiting beliefs you've created that says the outcome is that this thing is not available to me. So those are three things I want you to seriously consider about your life, your ability to thrive. But moreover, your ability to overcome a potential addiction. Yes, you're going to have to do the work and go through the withdrawals of letting go of an addiction because literally the only way to get over an addiction is abstinence, right? You can't get over an addiction with moderation. Um, you have to, you have to be abstinent from an addiction, but you're going to have to do that work. But then what prevents you from going back? What's going to keep you sober and clean, right? Or dry or whatever, right? What's going to keep you sugar free? What's going to keep you from going back to that thing is making sure that you've unpacked those areas in your life that were not fulfilled, that you're filling those buckets that were empty, that you're, you know, getting into those therapeutic spaces where you're, you're deep diving um, into the depths of your mind that you typically try and avoid because it hurts when you go there, 
right? It hurts when you tap into those spots. And so I really, really, really want you to think about what it means, you know, to be in alignment and what that could mean for your life. Could, could getting in alignment with your purpose and your calling on this planet mean that you literally are now able to be financially free? Does getting in alignment and in with your purpose and calling on this planet means now you're able to reverse chronic disease because you'll no longer be putting the toxicity in your body because now you're, you're, you're a counselor, you're a therapist, you're a teacher, right? You're a dancer, you're an artist, you're a creator, you're a musician, um, you're a speaker. Like you're now pursuing that thing all out. You've thrown caution to the wind and you don't need the alcohol, the television, the toxic relationships to make you feel complete because you've, you are completing, you're doing the completion yourself, right? And so get in alignment, do the work, go back and listen to the last six episodes where I give you tips on ways to do that um, and maybe combat your addiction from that angle versus trying to get strategies um, and not really addressing the underlying issue of the addiction. That's all I got for y'all today. That's it. That's it. And that's all. <laughs> okay. So, oh, this was helpful for someone. Why don't you drop me a line? Let me know. Um, hit me up. You can email me at hello at lisaangelsmith.com um, or drop a comment right below this episode on whatever platform you're listening to this on. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on SoundCloud. We're on Stitcher. We're on CastBox. Um, and let me know what you think. You know, are, Do you think your addiction can be tied to you being out of alignment in life? Um, and how do you plan on getting on task to be obedient, right? Obedience is huge. And so until next month, I'll be back in August 2020 with another episode of Obedience. Until then, be well. <laughs>